0: Welcome to the Box Office Show. I'm Ryan Hill. And I'm Dylan Johnson. Today we're going to be talking about the box office numbers from last weekend and our box office predictions for the upcoming weekend. What else are we talking about, Ryan?
1: Uh, We're also doing our recap, our top tens of 2019, our favorite films of the year. And we also have a special guest to do it with us.
0: Here in the studio is Spencer Giles, our friend and filmmaker. Hi. Hi, Spencer. (laughs) Always... With the brevity. All right.
1: Do we
2: want
0: to just jump right into it? Let's do
1: it. All right. You're listening to The Box Office. Yep. We're getting into our news. We had the SAG Awards, which took place Sunday, and Parasite's cast won big. It got the outstanding cast in a motion picture. As it should. That's right. I know you're. it's Very a big excited. win for them, and they're getting some momentum, so we'll see what happens at the upcoming Oscars. They're really duking it out with uh, 1917 right now. They really are. Um, and with other news, we had Renee Zellweger won for Judy and Joaquin Phoenix, won the Best Actor Prize for Joker. So he's also, he got the Globes and that. As so, did Zellweger. So they're both a shoo-in for the
0: Oscar Prize. As are the supporting players, Lord Dern for Marriage Story and Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. All four of them took home the Globes and the SAG Awards, so they're it's pretty safe to say they're going on to win the Oscars. Yeah, we can, you can
1: put that in your prediction pools. We also had the uh, Producers Guild Awards. That was on Saturday uh, in 1917. Like we were talking about there, they got the biggest prize there, so they've also taken home the Golden Globe, and so
0: they seem to be like the front runners for the Oscars. Yeah, and Toy Story Four won for animated feature, which was a little bit of a shock. Spencer, why is that a shock to you? Didn't you think a different animated feature deserved it?
2: No, it's not that shocking.
0: No, no. Weren't you vying for um, How to Train Your Dragon 3?
2: Yeah, I like How to Train Your Dragon 3 more, but I understand why people would like Toy Story 4 more.
0: Yeah, I get it. I mean, I like Toy Story 4. I never saw How to Train Your Dragon 3, though.
2: Oh, it's amazing. It's I think outside of last year, I probably didn't leave less satisfied.
0: Really? Yeah. All right. Hmm.
1: I have also not seen any of the How to Train Your Dragons, but they all seem, I mean, good. Like, they've all been well-reviewed and well-respected. Yeah. Um, I think it's funny, Toy Story 3... Beat the first How to Train Your Dragon way back then for the Oscar for animation. So we'll see if that changes this year. Uh, but at the PGAs in TV, Succession season two, one for the television program. I haven't seen that. Dylan, did you ever start? Uh, I watching? started,
0: and I think Spencer started as well. I'm oh, on like I? episode three right now. What episode are you on, Spencer?
1: Two, really? But is it good? Do you like it? The I love it. episode.
0: I think it's great.
2: I think it's really good. Uh, I'm still waiting. I think to really pick up. I felt like the I can feel that. Yeah, the beginning episode's really just setting all the ground floor for them to play with later.
0: But I can really feel where it's going to pick up. I like, I can see where it's gonna. Yeah, it has like, a definite escalate. tone. Oh yeah, I love it. I love the theme song too. Me too. I don't know, I don't know why I like it. I just really do. Alright, and
1: moving on, the Achievement Award at the PGA's went to Plan B, which is the production company owned by Brad Pitt, Dede Gardner, and Jeremy Kleiner. Uh, and some movies that they did include 12 Years a Slave, which won the Best, Best Picture, Picture Oscar, Okja mm-hmm. uh, at Astra, The Big Short, and The Departed.
0: Now, I've seen a couple of those, and I'm a big fan of the, the ones that I have seen, which is 12 Years a Slave, The Big Short, and The Departed, and I know Spencer likes... I don't know if you like any of them, but I know you don't like the uh, Departed that I, much.
2: No, I I really like the Departed, and uh, but I love Twelve Years a Slave and The Big Short. I think you like The Big
0: Short. I love The Big Cause Short because you didn't like Vice that much.
2: No, Vice is horrible. Vice oh, is a horrible! That's movie. not true. But, I love Vice. Uh, I hated Vice. Uh, but I love The Big Short. Um, the Big Short. I really think good. the difference between Adam McKay, the difference between The Big Short and him making Vice, like, is commentary on how like the country has changed with politics because the big short is very political yeah and i think it's just as political as vice but the way we tackled it was very different and then uh 12 years of slave is a 10 out of 10 movie oh of course it's amazing
0: it's have you seen it ryan yeah. you have to um, borrow my copy
2: it has like a terrifying beginning oh and just that like one take of him just... just like struggling with the rope oh my god and then uh oaksha is really cool uh, i have seen that one it's a it's a fun movie uh, I think it's sandwiched between uh, Snowpiercer and Parasite. Really, you for, think Oak just better than no? Snowpiercer? No, it's like like uh, it came Snowpiercer, then Oak, oh, then Parasite. Oh, yeah, chronologically, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it just kind of weird Bong that Junho. that was his last move for making Parasite, which is like this masterpiece. That is and weird. It's not science fiction at all.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, and an interesting point about Adam McKay and Bong Joon Ho. Apparently, they're working together to bring about a Parasite miniseries that'll be. Like an American, I, mean, I, I don't know if it's, it's going to be an American version of it. Hopefully not, but some sort of... new... Oh, it'll be an English language version. I well, know that yes, English sure. language,
0: but hopefully not like
1: just the movie, but English. Like, I think they'll probably change it a bit
0: to, to fit, you know, a mini series format because that's like ten hours compared to the two hours of Parasite, so they can really play more with that. And be then I'm I'm excited that Bong Joon Ho is part of that. Did you know, Spencer? Did you know that Adam McKay is executive producer on Succession and he directed the first
2: episode? I did know this, yes. Yeah. That's that's the only thing I know about it, of the show. And uh, I already like it more than Vice.
0: Okay, well, I just thought it was strange to see Adam McKay and Will Ferrell as executive producers on that show.
2: Yeah, it was uh, their production company. And it's really sad now because uh, they've split off. Yeah. As they don't run that company, like, uh, independently anymore. Yeah. I think it's just Adam McKay and Will Ferrell has completely left.
0: Well, I think he's probably gone on to do other ventures. As Adam McKay traverses into more dramatic territory in his career which is i mean i'm happy for him it's it's great i love the big chart and vice
2: i so, know but just like it's like two f- best friends breaking up and it's really sad to watch
0: i can see that yeah but i'm sure they they're still friends like i don't know
2: oh well,
0: i guess i don't know either yeah <laughs> anyways uh, other news studio ghibli films available to stream on netflix uk i didn't know that and i'm i'm a little jealous yeah i saw uh, an announcement
1: for that recently and i was like oh that's awesome and then i was like wait it's We're, only for yeah. the UK. But uh for us here in the States, we will be able to stream that in May, but it'll be on HBO Max. So HBO's a new streaming service that comes out in May, all those films will be there.
0: Yeah, it's just too bad I can't afford all these different streaming services at once.
1: Luckily, I already I have HBO Now, which I think you get upgraded to HBO Max. Do you? So yeah, okay, so yeah, I'll be I able have to
0: I mean, I have HBO access through Prime. I don't know how that factors in.
1: Very interesting. No, yeah. I don't know either. But there you go. So if you're in the UK, congrats. If you're not, you know, wait till May. Yeah. And finally, we have Hans Zimmer is going to conduct the Bond movie theme, uh, No Time to Die. And then Billie Eilish is, she's doing the song. Is she recording it.
0: Yeah, she's writing and performing it. And Hans Zimmer's doing the whole score, which I think we already knew. I don't think that's really recent news, but the Billie Eilish definitely is. That came yeah. out, that news came out a week or so ago. What do you think of that? Um, do you think James Bond is a bad guy?
3: <laughs>
1: how dare you for that? Um, I think it'd be very interesting to see how her like style matches with a Bond film. I I'm looking forward
0: that's... to seeing it. I'm not going to judge anything beforehand, but I mean, I think it could work. Yeah, I mean, heard, I'm not looking forward
1: to it. I'm just saying it's a very interesting choice, but I think it's cool that they did that. And she's like a big Bond fan,
0: apparently. So mm. good on her. I mean, all the songs have always been like surprises to me. Like I really liked Chris Cornell's song for Casino Royale, but then I didn't really like Sam Smith's song for Spectre. And you know, it's you know, it's always a surprise every time. And Adele's of course but they're the best. always
1: good. So
0: it, they're always fairly good. They're not always good. Well, I mean, I didn't really like Writings on the Wall by Sam Smith. It was all right, and I didn't really like. Uh, Moonraker. Hmm. I don't remember who sang Moonraker, but it wasn't very good.
1: <laughs> well, alrighty then, we will move into our box office breakdown for January seventeenth through the twentieth, the MOK weekend, big weekend, and yeah, a lot of big bucks. We had Bad Boys for Life, starring Will Smith and Martin Lawrence, that brought in on the four day seventy three million. Wow, that's huge. It's the uh, second largest opening for that weekend. Uh, is behind American Sniper in 2014. I I didn't think it made that much. I didn't think it either. But apparently, I mean, it's just a fun movie.
0: I guess the property value so is even this it. many years later. Have, Have you, you seen, seen Spencer? It? Yeah, you saw it. Yeah, tell us about
2: it. Uh, it's a really fun movie. Uh, I saw it opening night on Friday because uh, my friend just wanted to see it for my birthday. And that's what we decided to do. And it really feels like. An actual successor to the other two bad boys movies even though i haven't seen them <laughs> i've seen i've seen movies like them where just two guys put together it's like really funny like the rush hour movies yeah yeah these early 2000 action movies it's such a throwback to that but uh it's up to the point of now and martin lawrence and will smith are always just the best uh they're just great comedians of and course. uh will Smith is still a great action star and it's just really refreshing to watch that movie because I saw Gemini Man. And that was a really, really bad movie. Oh, And so it's great to see Will Smith kind of do the same exact thing, but it's actually like a well shot and like well made. super entertaining movie.
0: That's good. Now, Michael Bay directed the first Bad Boys for Life, and I read in the first two, both of them? Okay, So and then uh, I read in a headline somewhere before we did this show today that um, he directed one of the scenes, and that is pretty obvious he directed it. Was there a scene that had a lot of explosions in it?
2: There's a lot of scene, Like, every scene has well, explosions. Yeah, because yeah, like, I mean, it's bad boys. Yeah, it's like uh, emulating, I guess, his earlier style. I think there's probably one scene that could be it, but I just think because it has bad editing. Um, <laughs> or there's two scenes that could be it, but I, I couldn't tell. I'll have Do to you, go back and read the article. Uh, because we have one listener, can I say? Yeah, yeah. Can I give us a uh, little spoiler? Yeah, go ahead. That's really funny. Michael Bay is in it for one scene. Really? He's at uh, Reggie's wedding. I bet that's funny. the one he
0: directed. Maybe. I wouldn't be surprised.
2: (laughs) There's no explosions, though. I mean, yeah,
0: uh, if he's on the set that day to star in it, he might as well direct it, too. Would you be down for Bad Boys 4?
2: They set up Bad Boys 4, and I'm (laughs) so down for Bad Boys 4.
0: Really? (laughs) I'm I'm going to have to watch all of them. I haven't seen any of them. Yeah, I haven't
1: either, but I definitely want to go see this one. And it seems like, yeah, we will be getting a Bad Boys 4 with this performance. It shows that, you know, it can work. And Will Smith, even
2: if he's not blue can still make it work at the box office? Um, A lot of, like, these movies where they like, kind of, like, semi-reboot the franchise a little bit, uh-huh. and they always have those, like, little new characters that, like, maybe pick it up or yeah, do something. Yeah. Like, TV shows do it a lot, and it's usually really, really bad. This movie I was really surprised by because it, it, a- it actually worked. They really? have a small, like, Vanessa Hudgens is one of them and oh. it's, like, these two other guys, and they're, like, the new characters that are better at them. But it actually worked in this movie because only because it didn't, like... Give them too much importance to draw attention, but at the end, I enjoyed their presence. Oh,
0: well. Speaking of bad movies, coming (laughs) in at second is Doolittle with twenty nine point five million, which is a big disappointment as their first weekend, and they had a one hundred and seventy five million dollar budget, which is terrible. That is a tank right there. That's so sad, and it obviously
1: stars Robert Downey Jr. So Mm -hmm. thank God he's rich. Marvel has him set for life. I don't know
0: why he did this movie. I don't know why. Well, Disney's probably had him contracted in for it probably. I guess, I but... they were. Like, he was like, I need to get out of playing Iron Man. I'm kind of tired of it. And they're like, well, okay, if you do do a little, I mean, we'll let you out. Yeah, so it definitely did not go in
1: their favor with that. But 1917 is right on the heels. It had $26 million, So it's definitely getting a lot of momentum from the awards it's getting. A lot of people
0: are going out and watching it. And after that, still Jumanji the next level with another twelve million, making it over seven hundred million worldwide. Which is very good. It's got
1: a lot of legs because that came out like the same time as Star Wars, and right now it's still yeah. it's like performing better than that. Good for them on the week to week. I still haven't seen it. Me neither.
0: <laughs> I kind of want to.
1: <laughs> you have, have seen you it? seen It, I've
2: seen it yeah. was it good. Um, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, it's definitely a sequel. to trying to just replay the first movie again. And mm. not really try to do anything special. It feels very weird that Aquafina is in it. Really? Because uh she's like the rock and Kevin Hart, like they're playing like video game characters. Yeah. And her character is a video game character. But they do like character swaps. So she's constantly being she's constantly playing other actors oh. and characters. So it feels very weird that she's a part of this. So I hope she got paid a lot. <laughs> but, um back to bad boys. Uh I feel mm-hmm. like Bad Boys Is basically what Jumanji was like a year ago, or whenever Jumanji the first one came out, Mm -hmm. the first reboot, or just fun, and that's what Bad Boys was.
3: Oh, all
1: right, there you go. And coming after Jumanji is Star Wars Nine with ten point five million over the four day, and that it's now over one billion worldwide. So it did it. There was some concerns that it wasn't gonna make it, but I mean, it definitely
0: made it. I'm sure. I was sure it was. I mean, it's Star Wars. They at least at this point in time these big Skywalker saga Star Wars movies are going to get past a billion
2: even if they're bad if i can throw out a question do you think whatever next Star Wars movie comes after this do you think it's going to like tank like solo basically did
0: um it i think it all depends on uh, two big things the people attached to the project the stars the directors the writers the producers well, the story of it all, everything that has to do with it creatively, and then advertising, which, I mean, in the past, Disney and Lucasfilm have been very good at advertising their Star Wars films. And I think the main reason Solo tanked was that it was, like, wedged in between Last Jedi and Rise of Sky It was, like, wedged in. didn't it come out, like, right after Last Jedi. It was, like, trying to wedge in there, and it just... They didn't advertise it enough. They didn't have a lot of star power. They had a lot of problems with... um. Switching directors halfway through. So I think there was just a lot of problems with that. And the story wasn't very good either. It wasn't very appealing. I mean, we all like Han Solo, but he just didn't look like Han Solo. He didn't sound like Han Solo. He just... Which is weird because I actually had a dream the other day where it was Alden Ehrenreich as Han Solo. But he looked and sounded just like Harrison Ford. And I was like, I would get on board with this. And then I woke up and I was really disappointed because <laughs> it was just a dream.
2: That's very sad.
0: It's very sad.
2: Um, but uh, do you think with the Star Wars movies, uh, do you think they're going to have a cleaner behind the scenes? Because Solo had this problem changing directors, and yeah. Last Jedi and Rice Skywalker were both kind of messy behind mm-hmm. the scenes of like transitioning, and it's still the same people who are putting these projects in development. Do you think they're going to improve upon that?
0: Well, isn't Kevin Feige stepping in to help Lucasfilm? He is, With pro- the future? he is producing He's a producing. film, okay. a Star
2: Wars film, at some point.
0: Well, I think if that Star Wars film comes out next or in the future, that one will not have as messy behind the scenes because Marvel has always had a very, for the most part, good uh, track at like picking talent, keeping talent. Of course, I say that as Scott Derrickson just left, <laughs> and they also had fired James Gunn and brought him back. So it's a little messy, but there's been a pretty good follow-through for Marvel compared to Star Wars. Right. Plus, I guess. there's a lot of expectations with Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Maybe more, th- more so than Marvel. We're, we're all expecting a lot more.
1: Yeah, I definitely think they've learned though that they're gonna need someone to like oversee the entire process. of so all these different films in the way that Kevin Feige does for Marvel, so that there's some through line between them all. was
0: well, not Kathleen Kennedy supposed to be doing that? Yeah, yes.
2: Kathleen Kennedy is like is the Kevin Feige of Star yeah. Wars. It's like, what that's how they had her planned, and this is kind of like what we got in. And she's still, for like the foreseeable future, going to be the head of Lucasfilm.
0: I think she needs more practice, because I don't think she's doing a good job at creating that good continuity like Marvel has. I think that's why they want to bring Kevin Feige in, is to show Kathleen Kennedy how to create that continuity. Because, I mean, having three different directors and three different writers write a trilogy is a, a bad idea right off the bat. And having them have, like... The ability to change the script and change the overall story of the trilogy is also a bad idea, and that's why the sequel trilogy was messy. It was because we had three different people. Well, it became two when uh, Call and dropped out. They they fought, and then like it went just changed, just changed courses.
2: Yeah, I I completely agree. Uh, I hope the next Star Wars movie. I feel these past five that have come out under Disney had really just been mostly like nostalgia hits really than actually trying to tell a uh, unique story within like the Star Wars universe.
0: I would like to see an original, completely original trilogy in the Star Wars universe with uh, one director carried through and maybe one or two writers that write all the scripts mm-hmm. so that we can have that sort of stability in the storytelling and have that like positive through line that can go through all three movies without breaking at any point.
2: Yeah, see, that's what kind of shocks me with Marvel movies is that, like, Kevin Feige came in really no uh, studio head experience. Mm-hmm. And all these movies have different directors and oh, writers, yeah. basically, unless they're sequels. And it just, it's really interesting to see how they made, like, 25 movies and they're all a strong, there's, like, the third story of, like, Thanos and the Infinity Stones. But you look at Star Wars and they've made, like, tiny, three movies that connect and they're yeah. so messy.
0: Well, I think that has a lot to do with um, Kathleen Kennedy. I'm sure she was trying to like let the writers and directors be the creative forces of Star Wars, and Kevin Feige and the other producers are really hands on with the writers and directors. They really know what the story is that they want to tell. Like starting with Iron Man and John Favreau, Kevin Feige, and John Favreau, like they sat down, and they said, "Well, let's just make an Iron Man movie." And it's been partly luck how it's rolled off of one another and how it's been able to build into Thanos. But at the same time, it's a lot of like control that Kevin Feige has over Marvel compared to Kathleen Kennedy I think she's just well I mean I don't know for sure but I'm, it feels like she's just letting the creative forces deal with the creativity and not trying to connect them as well yeah, were we? <laughs> that's, that's a lot of Star Wars. Just to speed through the remainder of the top
1: ten, we had Little Women with eight million. Just Mercy with 7.5 million. Frozen 2, 5.3 million. That puts it, it's the ninth week in the top ten, which is pretty fantastic. That is impressive.
0: That Knives Out with 5.3 million. Ugh. <laughs> and that's in its eighth week in the top ten, so
1: still holding on. And Like a Boss had a hard fall, 4.8 million for Oof. its second week. Uh, we have some new films coming out. We we're talking about Guy Ritchie earlier, Spencer. He's got The Gentleman coming out. Hmm. Uh, we're thinking around eleven million for that. It does have McConaughey, Ooh. but all right, all right, all right. It's true, but uh, he's not doing so hot, especially with these January releases. Oh, so I don't know no, how it's going to no, go. No, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. not uh, And we got The Turning, which is some um, horror, it's a horror movie based on The Turning of the Screw, right? The book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So eight million. Um, Bad Boys for Life is probably going to be chilling, especially because a lot of people are saying it's fun. So if you want to go and see that uh, and in 1917, I still think we'll be carried a lot as the Oscars come and go. But yeah, now we can move on to our recap of the entire 2019 year. Wow. It was a big one. We mm-hmm. had domestically 29 films gross over 100 million. So that puts it at rank 13. Um, which sounds kind of bad, but you know, the number one film or number one year 2013 had 35. So it wasn't that far off. Uh, so again, I mean, it was, it was a strong year domestically. It made 11.3 billion total. How do you feel about that, Spencer? <laughs> it's a lot of, a lot of moolah, a lot of dough.
2: That is a lot of money. Uh, I think, I don't, I find it always surprising that there's always this much money. And we talk about long movies that kind of fail. Oh yeah, and flops are coming up next. Yeah, to... if, it's it's just very very interesting to me that uh, we make so much money. And like 2018 had a lot of failures, but still made 11.8 billion dollars. And if like if we had these blockbusters and they were all successful, imagine how much money like you could be making.
0: Yeah,
1: that's true. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. So 2018 was is the highest on record ever. It was 11.8. Mm-hmm. Um. 2019, we had a 907 movies total released, which is the second highest number. 2018 had the most with hundred ninety three. That's so, so many, nearly a thousand. That's crazy. I wonder if 2020 is gonna
0: push us over. the I was edge. trying to like pick out my top ten list, and I was scrolling through the movies that came out in 2019 to find out which ones I liked a lot. And I just kept scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And I was like, "There's too many." I, I, I about half like halfway through, maybe even a quarter through. I was like, "I'm sure
3: I have them There's all." Just
1: so I'm many. sure all the
0: best ones were near the
1: top. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we definitely, like you mentioned, Spence, we had some box
0: office flops. Big flops. Playmobil, the movie, made $13 million on a $40 million budget. And I on just, top of that, advertisement money. I don't know how much they spent on advertising. Probably 10 to $20 million. So that's devastating. A big loss. I just don't know why they did it. They said, man, the Lego movie, we can do that. And then
1: nobody went to see it. Rightfully, so, Terminator Dark Fate, we talked about this. It made two hundred and fifty eight million globally on a hundred and eighty five million budget, but factor in the advertising for oh, global that was plus, probably a hundred million
0: dollars in advertising, yeah. which is exceeding any kind of way of breaking even, which is terrible, yeah,
1: so you know we talk about bad boys for life. Another reason why that's so amazing that it's successful is that that's making money. that's going to get a sequel. Terminator Dark Fate will not get a sequel that's done. Terminator's done. it's yeah. The franchise is over. over. And another one that sadly passed away was Dark Phoenix. So the entire X-Men uh, with Fox, it had $200 million budget uh, and it made $252 million. So again, factor in all the advertising, that thing swiped.
0: Yeah. And uh, probably the critical acclaim of the year, Cats <laughs> made $95 million. Best off movie of, of the century. Oh man, $60 million. The haters just don't want it to succeed. It was so close. It barely toppled over. Or no, I'm sorry. It had a $95 million budget and $60 million gross. So it was just shy of making its budget and factoring advertisement costs. It flopped hard. Yeah. And I think it's Kobe already Hooper. out of theaters. Like I think it's gone. Uh, I if think I, it's at if the I owned a theater, theater I wouldn't keep it in. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Even-
1: but all right, we can get now into the top 10 movies the of big, 2019. The big the ones that made a lot the of money. The box office.
0: And of course, at the top of that list is uh, the culmination of Marvel for the last 10 years, Avengers Endgame, with $2.797 billion, highest grossing movie of all time, achieved $1 billion in only five days, and it is the biggest domestic opening. Three hundred fifty seven million, a hundred million over its predecessor. Yeah. And we thought when Infinity War
1: came out with two hundred fifty seven, we we're like, wow, that's great, that's amazing. And then Endgame, Endgame dominated. Yeah, that was amazing. So Endgame, of course, the top movie. I don't know if another movie can top that effort. Spencer? What do you think?
2: Uh I think that they're gonna re release Avatar in theaters and just top it. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a,
1: would that be allowed to count that? Because yeah, I think yeah. they can do the re-release, but if you do it 10 years after, would that
3: still...
2: Titanic had a re-release 10 years later, and they added, that money gets added to their grand total. <laughs> and James Cameron says it's a guarantee that they're going to re-release Avatar.
0: They will probably do it right before they release Avatar 2 so that everyone can go back and watch Avatar and then I that agree. might push Avatar to be number one. That'd the be crazy. There's just going to be a war of every few years.
1: They say, all right, Avengers Before Avengers 4, we're going to put Avengers Endgame out there. <laughs> and they just keep fighting back and forth. But you know what's funny? Disney will be laughing because they'll still have the number one movie. Of- Imagine
0: Disney's arm wrestling with itself <laughs> for number <I> one. <laughs> so, Spencer, how many times did you see Endgame in theaters? Remind us again? Nine times. You saw Endgame nine times in theater.
2: I'm like half the budget, yeah.
0: Yeah, you're like half the budget there. Nine <laughs> times? That's amazing. You gave them almost a hundred dollars
2: <laughs> no, worth no. of tickets.
0: No? I have AMC A list. Oh, okay. So you gave so them like I gave 40.
2: AMC twenty bucks.
0: There you go. Ah. What's up top. Well there you go, there you go.
1: Alright, number two, we had system. The Lion King with 1.6 billion.
0: I can't believe that's number two. Looking at some of the movies on this list, I know it's so shocking because it, I, I heard it was just so bad. Did you still not even see it? I haven't seen it. What it's on heck? Disney Plus too. I could. That's <laughs> crazy. I just oh, I want to see it even less now that the Golden Globes had nominated it for Best Animated Feature because it just reminds me that it's not even like live action, even though they call it live action. So it makes me want to watch it less. Yeah, just go watch the original. I did watch it recently. It's still great. I know. But just in case you, you, you didn't remember, it's, it's still pretty good. It's amazing, yeah. Okay, now, after Lion King is Frozen 2 with 1.4 billion. Highest grossing animated film, beating Frozen's 1.72 billion. Now, that's only highest grossing animated if you don't count the Lion King remake. Correct. Correct.
1: Yeah. Uh, then then the we have. <laughs> Spider-Man Far From Home with 1.13 billion and that is the first Spider-Man to enter the billion dollar club. Surprising. Represent. I know a lot got close like all the McGuire ones got 800 million. Mm-hmm.
0: After Spider-Man Far From Home is another Marvel film that came out last year it was Captain Marvel for 1.129 billion dollars mm-hmm. which I was a little surprised to see that one cross a billion.
1: Yeah and then it got to 1.1 billion, so it still had some legs after that, which I was surprised. I'm glad that Spider Man overcame that
0: though. Oh, yeah, even though Sony dipped for a, a brief second, yeah. hot second. That was crazy.
1: But next we have Toy Story 4 with 1.07 billion, so, and it grossed about 5 million more than Toy Story 3, so it just barely passed.
0: Then Joker with 1.066 billion, making it the highest grossing R rated film. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? It's pretty impressive. It is very impressive. To I still didn't like it. Do
1: that completely without any like. It's not a family film, so while all the other ones on here definitely are PG thirteen at at the worst. So that shows you how much you know people were enjoying and got people to go out to the theater. I'm sure we had Aladdin with one point zero five billion. I'm still surprised that that crossed. Yeah, me too. I honestly, still haven't seen it
0: me neither it's on
1: disney it just
0: got on disney plus
1: i know i might see it on there and our number nine is star wars episode nine with 1.026 billion it maybe might pass aladdin but you know it'll probably stay down to the lower end of the list um so it's the lowest grossing of the sequels films but it's the fifth star wars film to reach a billion so again the star wars as a franchise is still afloat i'm pretty sure
0: that's the three sequels, Revenge of the Sith, and then Rogue One. It's actually Phantom Menace. Is it? Oh, it is Phantom Menace. I did read that, and that's what shocked me the most. That was Phantom Menace. <laughs> he said, not this Revenge can't the be Sith. true. So yeah, of all of them, I think they re-released Phantom Menace though a while ago for like an anniversary because I remember seeing it in theaters again, and I remember thinking, well, <laughs> gross." Anyway, after that is Fast and Furious Hobbs and Shaw, which only had seven hundred and sixty million. Yeah, so a big like drop off. Yeah. but... Only film in top ten to not cross a billion. And hang on, let me do the counting here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of these films are Disney films. Uh, is that true? Yes. The only ones that aren't are Joker and Fast and Furious. Fast and Furious is Universal. Well, and Joker is. Yeah, I
1: agree. I think they like so do know? half and half War with
0: Spider Man because Disney
1: wasn't necessarily the one who was distributing. Yeah, I guess or producing you're right. what it, was it. That was so Sony. technically, but it's still Marvel affiliated. So, so seven it's still and a half. technically like. That's yeah. still a lot of Disney. You got some Disney say? films.
2: Yeah, I find it very strange looking at the list that Captain Marvel is kind of technically the only one, only film that's like an original take. It is adapted and it's a Marvel movie, but everything else is either a remake or a sequel. And like well, the, Joker, there's Joker, but it's like we've seen jo- Joker's already like uh, in media as a concept. Like we already have Jack and Heath Ledger,
0: so. Captain Marvel is like you're saying it's like the first time that has ever come to the yes yeah,
2: yeah it's the first time
0: I
1: re- that but is again, crazy it's, it's still, a lot of
0: remakes and sequels it's not an original IP though
1: and I think I was looking for it because I was I noticed the same thing and I was curious I think the highest grossing original original film not based on anything else Navador. is well no I mean yes <laughs> but I mean for the year was Once Upon a Time uh, in Hollywood and that made like $383 million. Uh, so that's insane that you know if you want to make the big bucks it's sequels and remakes so that's why you see all these things coming out but okay we can move on now to our top 10 favorites our personal favorites of the year and so the way we're gonna do this i think is we're gonna each go with our 10 through 6 uh that way we can just talk about and give some of our thoughts um and if the others want to jump in, you can.
0: Five through two and then top?
1: Right, right, right. Yeah, so ten through six and five through two, then our, we all reveal our beautiful number ones.
0: Now, I think I spoiled mine by accidentally sending it to both of you. Yes. Because I didn't know you wanted it to be secret. So you know my top ten list. But, but... I forgot the exact order. I mean, I know oh, you're the no one for sure. But... but I don't know either of yours, so Ryan,
1: kick us off. What's That's your ten right. through six? Okay, my number ten. Is going to be. I'll put out the list, but I do know my number 10 is Dolomite is My Name, which really? I don't know if any else saw. I didn't
3: see it. I, saw I really it. should. Oh,
1: mm-hmm. I, I thought, again, favorite as in, like, I enjoyed that movie. Like, I thought Eddie Murphy was very charismatic, very on fire during that. It was just an enjoyable film
2: to watch that I was, I don't know, it was very pleasurable.
3: Go ahead.
2: Yeah, Eddie Murphy's, like, amazing in it, and I just wish the movie rose up to how great he was in it. But really, the. The movie just kind of feels like how, like, The Lion King was. Like, The Lion King just feels like an ad for me to watch the original Lion King. Mm -hmm. And, like, this Dolomite movie just feels like an ad for me to watch Dolomite movies. And, like, I really want to go back and visit them and see what they're like. But outside of his performance, there wasn't wasn't really anything that stood out.
1: I I don't feel like it's an ad at all to go see it. I think it's about Rudy Ray Moore, right? Him, his journey, being the guy that is told no a thousand times by these different people. And then he's still it's like his perseverance accomplishing first the album that he like put out. Then he said, all right, now I want to make a film. And then he goes and does that on like a low budget with student filmmakers being his like Mm -hmm. main cat or crew. Um, So I know I just enjoyed it. It was like it was an interesting take on an underdog story where the guy doesn't see himself as an underdog. He sees himself as a top boss and Eddie Murphy pulls it off perfectly. So that's why I was like, I mean, this is just a fun movie to watch for Mm -hmm. me, at least. But, yeah. What you mm-hmm. done? My number nine is Avengers Endgame. Really? Because, yeah, I think something has to be said for, like you said, culminating 20-plus movies together and sticking the landing so perfectly. Like, you see Star Wars. supposed to be the end of a saga, but not. It's so messy. We don't, like, we're all like, eh. I don't think anyone is really ever going to be like, yes, that is, wow, great filmmaking, great stories. But with Endgame, I don't know, I felt like... You can respect the story. You can respect the acting that was in there. And like you, in sound design, did Beckler do the thing where he had the... Yeah. Like he changed the aspect ratio of it. And even then, just listening to the good sound, but like the tiny did picture, you? I was still like pumped up. I was like, this is incredible. This is... What a cinematic moment.
0: That was also like 7.1 surround sound cranked to the max. So True.
1: But again, I mean, I felt yeah. it. I was
0: like, yes. I felt it too. It's, it's an incredible... F- like achievement in filmmaking to culminate twenty something films over ten years into one final epic. I agree. We talk about set setups conclusion. and
1: payoffs. That's been the theme for this year, and I mean that is as good a payoff as you can get. So it was incredible. So yeah. So I put it, that in, in that there. terms. Yeah. My number eight is Dylan. You might be surprised at this because this is because of you that it's here. Really? It is us. Ooh. The movie us. So That's only my honorable P. mentions. Oh really, <laughs> <laughs> Jordan? uh... So I still haven't seen Get Out, but again we were talking about. Are you all right? Uh, yeah, Spencer's Spencer. mad
0: that you haven't seen Get Out, but you.
3: you I'm sorry, us.
1: I will see it
0: at some point. You can borrow my copy.
1: But look, I saw Us, and I thought it was incredible. I thought it was great.
0: Again, uh, very Spencer. Spencer, what? give us your hot take. Why don't you like Us?
2: Uh, I don't. I don't want to be negative, but I know. I, I know. just. It's just. It's very well shot, and uh, it can be very intense at sometimes. times. opinion. La la. Lupita, Lupita Nyong'o oh, is amazing in it she's great i felt she kind of got snubbed at the oscars i could see that uh it just the story just kept stretching and stretching until like the plausibility ran out for me i could see that yeah so uh especially at the end when the big twist happens i could see that no i I
0: like i didn't think that was like not very plausible i thought like the concept itself was a little bit of a stretch on a stretch that wasn't explained well enough for me but at the same time, I feel like if it was explained more, it would be too much exposition, and then I wouldn't like it. So okay. now I'm d- walking on this tightrope of, do I want it to be explained more? Do I want it to be more mysterious? Do I want it to make sense? Do I want to not get it? And I, I'm just like kind of walking on this tightrope. And I think that's kind of what the movie was supposed to be, is that you're walking on this tightrope of, like, you don't really know where you're going to fall in either pit. And you just kind of got to hope you make it to the other side. And then eventually you do, and you, you have a lot of scares along the way. And it's, it's really well shot, really well done.
2: I just fell into the pit.
0: I yeah, you fell
1: into the pit. Well, I made it to the other side, and I liked it because this yeah. was a film that kept me thinking about it for weeks afterwards. So and jaw
0: dropping at the end. Yeah, personally not as jaw dropping as my number one film, which we'll get there. But Ooh. still very jaw dropping.
1: Well, because I remember whenever we first you first reviewed us, you were like, "That is the only time I've jaw dropped."
2: <laughs> yeah, it is. What was jaw dropping? Like the twist at the end?
0: Yeah, like, I thought it was jaw
2: dropping.
1: I, I saw it coming.
0: You didn't? Yeah. I just wasn't we thinking about it until the end happened, but I could see where it would be like, you see it coming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. My, I number, think about it.
1: my number seven is Marriage Story. Oh. And the reason is, I just feel like Noah Baumbach is very good at putting us in the lives of his characters. He's very, I wouldn't say realistic, but I think someone's made a distinction that it's naturalistic. Um, and you really, you get put with these characters and it's just, it's a crappy situation you don't root for either side, but you're given these intimate close moments with both of the characters, and you're like, I can see their point of view, but I can see where they're wrong, but I can see all around how the situation just, uh it sucks, and it takes you for that ride along with them.
0: I agree with you 100%, and Marriage Story is in my top 10, but at the same time, I feel like I've just been around a lot of people who praise it like crazy and think <laughs> it's like the greatest thing in the world, and I don't see it. I, I like the beginning, and I like the end, and I like their fight, and the rest yes. of it is just filler between those scenes to me, but I understand, like, in terms of writing, it's really well done, but in terms of, like, pacing, in terms of uh, the the dialogue, all the in-between scenes just aren't, uh, it's symbolism, all that, it's just not as well done as the beginning and the end and when they're fighting, and, I mean, the acting is great throughout. Oh, yes, yeah, so the acting is phenomenal, and I kind of want to have driver like, to win oh, instead of walking. Absolutely.
1: Hundred well, percent. We all are. I don't know. Spencer, Adam but we're all deserves like. It more. I think Adam
0: Sandler it. <laughs> deserves it more. But he, he got snubbed. So
1: Dude, what are Adams, we gonna do about that? Here, the Adams. All right, and then my number six is Ford v Ferrari, and I've been thinking about it, but it's the ending is why you're disgusted. But you hated Ford v Ferrari. Disgusting. I don't know why you were. But I mean, I, I can like tell you hunters. why I didn't like it, um, and I can see why. Like, I don't think it's a particularly well made movie, but I thought it was like the ending gripped me the entire way the action the way that they kept ramping it up i was invested in a way that i didn't think i was going to be going into it so that's why i had to put it there i think it was the best action i saw i don't see john wick but in 2019
0: oh, john wick i just watched john wick
2: 3. Uh, oh yeah i looked john wick so 3. we'll get there uh <laughs> i uh i i don't like for that much i think it's just okay uh i feel it's a movie that is pretending not to be oscar bait when it's actually oscar bait, It's definitely oscar bait. Yeah. Um, and it didn't get anything. So but I feel like go. it's pretending not to be. Like, it's trying just so it's like, hard not so to edgy, be. We're so edgy, but yeah. here's the oscar bait. Um, I feel the same way about Joker a little bit. Yeah, I think it's, uh, like, harder f- for me, because uh, my dad works in racing, so I've seen, like, a lot of racing mm-hmm. movies. And I just constantly heard him complain during this movie. I know why. Like, there's scenes at the end where they're racing... And they look at each other, like, uh, Christianville and other people. Yeah. And I just, my, my dad kind of just yelled at the screen at that moment. <laughs> uh, which was funnier than the actual movie. Of course. Well, no, it's not
0: a very funny movie.
2: Yeah. And I don't, I'm not the biggest fan of sports movies or, uh, just <laughs> oh, racing movies yeah, in me general. Me neither. But I just never really got to the point where I actually cared what was going on. Mm. And I never really got to the point where, uh, I know, like, people think the movie's beautiful, like, cinematography-wise, and I don't really see that either. I don't really see it either. Uh, I never felt that there was any really bigger discussion other than that they won. Well, like, my biggest they didn't truly
0: win. my problem is I got two of them. One of them is the script itself. I didn't think, like, the way that it's formatted is anything but Oscar bait. Like, it just feels like one of those movies that's, like, trying to win Oscars. And that's how the script feels. It's not artistic in any way. It's just telling the story. It just feels like a biopic like Bohemian Rhapsody or The Rocket Man. It's no, not unique in any way. And the other thing was that it, it, the sound design, it's it's not on par with the pacing in any way. And I feel like they could have put more effort into the sound design and how, like, it's structured and how it, like, feels more like you're in the car I wasn't like shaking my seats. I was a little bit on the edge of my seat during like, especially like the final race because, um, uh, spoiler alert, I'm going to spoil it. So just tune out if you don't want to know it, but I read up on Ken, I've like, I've known about Ken Miles for a while and I knew he died and I didn't, but I couldn't remember where he died. So every time he went into a race, I was like, is this the one where he dies? I'm not sure. <laughs> it would have been really good. I know it wouldn't have been true. But the scene where he, like, has to bash in the car door, I thought they were setting it up for he gets trapped in the car because the door is bashed in. Because they set that up was like, sometimes they don't get out of the car. And he has to bash the car door and to get it to close. That would have been a really good setup and payoff. But it's not true. It's not what happened. But it would have been really good. If this was, like, a fictional story, that would have been a better ending. But I also felt like they really phoned in his death. Like, it was just, like, over-narration. He dies, you know... Matt Damon turns, looks at his son longingly. The end. Cut to a couple months later after his death. Yeah, I, I can see why in. that wasn't. They phoned that in a bit. The best there, but
1: yeah, that's my number six spot. Spencer, you're ten through six.
2: My ten through six. My uh, first ten is um is the first Netflix movie, and that's El Camino. Ooh. And I'm a uh, I'm like kind of surprised I put El Camino as like my number ten, mm. but. Uh, i like rewatched the first uh f- well the only five seasons of breaking bad uh <laughs> <laughs> uh and like just in preparation for it just because it's been so long since i've seen it what a good and, idea and uh the show is great and i really just felt it was just so seamless going from that show into this movie i feel that entirely and just seeing just jesse Pinkman. uh there's i have this weird thing with movies and like main characters where i like seeing them uh kind of get abused. Like, in 1917, the main character just gets crapped on the whole yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, because it brings out so much sympathy. And the same thing with Jesse, where, like, so much stuff happens to him. Did you they see 1917
0: feel... yet? Yes. Oh, good.
2: And then, um... We'll get there. And then, uh, it just breaks, uh... It, like, when you watch a show, it breaks your heart that you see oh. this man who through so much. And the movie's just about him escaping and finding peace. And, uh, I can't remember what it was, but there's, like, the last shot is just, uh, it's jesse and jane and jane just talks about like the universe and like his place in it and then just shows him driving uh up north it's beautiful and it just this such a peaceful movie and just this man gets the peace he needed beautiful what's your number nine oh uh it's john wick three i don't john blame Chapter you i just 3. i just watched it a couple of days ago it's phenomenal i'm so surprised by how good that movie because i like all of them are good the first one i really like the second one i think's I think it's good. I like the second one. I haven't Um, seen the first one yet. But the third one just goes off
0: the wall. Oh, it's it's banana it's like the first forty minutes they're thinking, well, the first two movies we gave John Wick a gun, but this time we're gonna take all his guns away and see what he can do now. Yeah. And he uses every weapon imaginable.
2: He uses a horse to kill people. It's crazy. And he just twice. (laughs) And then uh but then yeah, and then there's like little moments like they just go. Completely crazy about this whole assassin world. Like, my problem with the first one is, like, it's a tense story about revenge. And mm-hmm. then there's, like, these, there's this hotel for assassins, which is so strange.
0: Yeah, but they really but build the world
2: around that. That's why I like the third one so much. And, uh, like, Lawrence Fishburne's back in it, oh. and he actually has something to do in the movie. Are you excited for John Wick 4? Yes. <laughs> I'm so pumped for John Wick after watching John Wick
0: 3 it better be crazy
2: and then uh, I'm pumped for John Wick 5 <laughs> <laughs> but I love the the one take action sequences like when they're just throwing knives oh, at each other they're just and, in a room with knives and they're just throwing them yeah, at each other and I just love it because so many other like uh like these one takes uh like kind of linger in it and some of them are great at that where you're just mm-hmm. like are in the tension this one's so fast you don't even have time to realize what's going on it's crazy it's, it's great and I just love that he actually gets wounded and actually has to go up
0: I suggest all the John Wick movies they're so good.
2: I love that he cuts off his finger and has to fight without a oh, finger. Oh yeah! Like he he his progression as like a character of what he goes through is like revealed physically, which I think Plus, is really interesting.
0: Keanu Reeves is just so good. He understands the choreography. He understands how the guns work. And he's fifty five years old. His dialogue is so bad, but he delivers it so well. Half his dialogue is him just going, "Yeah." <laughs> That's so much of his dialogue, but he says it so well. <laughs> Mm -hmm. that it's just brilliant and it adds to the story and it adds to his character
2: i love that his like john wick's real name is jadani just just some concept that's so funny to me they go jadani janovich but there's like i love that the movie has little moments where it just was kind of like it skirts off john wick like where they had the ballerinas and she plucks off her toenail it's like it's it's terrifying but it's never distracting yeah good movie yes um then, I don't know if you guys have this on your movie, but my number eight is Climax. I, we never um, saw I guess it Climax, no way. I don't think. It is the most traumatizing movie I saw the year. Um, it just worms its way through you. The first, I gotta say, ten minutes are probably some of the best ten minutes I've seen this year. Mm. And then it's just this experimental nonsense of these people getting drugs and starting to be attacked and kill each other. But if you don't if you don't come out of the movie feeling sick in some way, I don't know how you have a soul. I don't blame you. And then uh, a movie very similar this is my next movie is Midsummer. Oh. And I'm a good one. huge uh hereditary and Ari Aster oh, fan. Oh, me too. One hundred. percent And I just feel Midsummer was uh it wasn't as good as hereditary if, mm-hmm. you, if we wanted to compare the two. But something about his directing style is like so hypnotic to me. And having this Giant concept of daylight, especially in being oh, so dark. It's so and bright. It's a bright film. Pew kills it. Kills it. And it's all this. this is her year. It's one of the best movies uh, about like metaphor, because it's all about like anxiety and relationships. Oh yeah. And it uh, pegs out in a way where you can entirely miss that, and enjoy the movie. But if you see that, you get this new layer. Oh yeah. I gotta watch it again. Uh, I, I love it. Yeah. I saw
0: it when it came out many months ago.
2: Yeah. I finally got a point where I could watch Midsummer Climax again because it just yeah i had to wait i remember so getting long.
0: out of midsummer i was like well i'm never gonna watch that again but i loved it
2: entirely climax I'm so... is like 10 times worse than that <laughs> like, i never thought i'd watch the movie again that's crazy and, but what's then, your uh, number six that was my. that was your six. number six Ten, all right nine eight, seven. You said no, all? Oh, there's one more okay uh 1917 is my number six I'm so uh, <laughs> glad I'm so glad you got around to seeing uh, because
0: you missed it when we screened it here. Yeah, it's
2: very sad. But uh I thought it was beautiful. I saw it in Dolby AMC, Ooh, which is oh, better man, than one forty five. Oh yeah, of course. But uh I I wanted to cry. It was so beautiful. You did? Yeah. Did you I, cry at the end
0: with Richard no, Madden? No. Richard Madden for the for the twenty five seconds he was in it, he was beautiful. Did you cry at Richard Madden? <laughs> uh no, but I could see where someone would. I almost did. It was so sad. He his Brief, brief, brief performance was amazing.
2: See, I felt um like the uh, biggest issue I had with the movie. Yeah. there's one is that it uh, it's probably the last like five minutes mm-hmm. where it tries to get an emotional reaction out of you. Mm. You think it tries and, too hard? Um, I don't think it tries too hard. I just think it shouldn't have tried at all of getting an emotional reaction out of me about him delivering the letter and having this big, powerful, teary-eyed moment with the brother, and then him realizing that he has a family. Uh, I just felt the, m- there was no way for me watching this movie with a one take would I have had the emotional reaction. The movie wanted me to, I felt if you kind of went something similar to Dunkirk, where it's like the mm. faceless soldier, oh. I felt like this movie w- probably would be like almost my number one. Yeah. And I love like, and there's like little human moments throughout it. So I don't even know why we need that big moment at the end where it's like an emotional yeah. climax, like the milk yeah. moment. It's just so sweet when he gives it to the little baby. Yeah. All right. Well,
0: my t- ten through six. Um, I'll, I'll try and get through these quick. Ten is Bombshell. I liked it. Bombshell. Yeah. Have you concept. seen it, Ryan? I know Spencer didn't like. He he liked it's it. Good. It's good, but he didn't. He yeah, didn't I was like, with you, but you were okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure. I couldn't remember. Uh, I loved. <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was great. It just barely made my top ten. I thought I the performances just,
1: were good. My I, one thing is, I just don't think she sounded like Megan Kelly. She well, okay,
0: like okay, but okay. I was like, this is
1: not. It's just, if you look at her, like, the way she says the lines,
0: I don't know. I was a little shocked when she got nominated, but Mm -hmm. I still thought the performance was good, and good enough to be nominated. I thought Margot Robbie was exceptional. She was excellent. She was excellent. That was amazing. I liked her a lot, because she was, like, the representative of all the women at Fox, which was, I think she did it well. Um, My number nine is Midsommar. Oh, beautiful film. Just the the... Pouring daylight in this horror film makes it even more haunting because it's just out of the ordinary. My number eight is Book Smart. Okay. It's so I I need to rewatch it, but I just I also let's do a rewatching so of Book so so Smart. It so funny. It's so Smart. I love
2: <Yo>. it. So <laughs> My
0: number seven is Marriage Story because I still respect the writing because the writing is is brilliant even though I have my quips with it and um I, the performances were stellar some of the best of the year and I loved them it's Scarlett Johansson's year as well as yeah. L- uh Florence Pugh's I'd say it's there too it's their year um speaking of they're gonna be in Black Widow together so oh yeah perfect they're really killing it yeah uh, after Marriage Story my number six is The Irishman I just. Well, I, you love Scorsese. I so. do love Scorsese. He's one of my favorite filmmakers. And it's just such an epic movie. I've seen it twice now, which is seven hours worth of watching this. <laughs> and it's it it gets better the more you watch it, let me tell you. As someone who's seen it twice, it gets better.
2: Okay, first, about the seven hours comment. I saw Avengers Endgame nine times. You're right, you're <laughs> right. <laughs> That's no, no, uh, 18 hours. So. <laughs> no, it's not. But, uh but, uh... uh where was I? Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Math
1: major alert.
2: But uh, but with The Irishman, I think, uh, I think the last 30 minutes are incredible. I feel like the rest of the movie is just pretty okay.
0: I like the whole thing.
2: I enjoyed it all.
1: All right, then we shall move on. I didn't... Well, to your comment about it, it does get better as you watch... I watched, like, the first 20 minutes on Netflix recently, and I agree that, like, knowing... Having watched the film before and not watching it again on the floor at in Zion. I do think it it can get better. <laughs> yeah. We you rewatch it. But I will not rewatch that. What's your number <laughs> five, right? Um my number five is Little Women. Ooh, good choice. Yeah. Uh I watched it last week actually, um, with my mom and I thought it was a very nice queen. It had a lot of heart. It was very balanced. That's it was, like yeah. Um it. and I was talking before how like I really liked the structure that, cause apparently the books are not in that way where they cut between the timelines. Yeah, No. Um, and so I think that Greta Gerwig's choice of doing that aided the film a lot.
0: It was a good way to edit um, that. And
1: movie. it was definitely a way to like, cause you know, spoiler, Joe and Laurie, they don't get together, of but then you not. watch their story unfold and realize that maybe they're good for each other. Maybe they should be together, but you know that that's just not how it's ending up. Um, and so, yeah, I thought it succeeded on all those levels. And also, the score was very good. Very. The, like, chemistry between the actresses was phenomenal. Like, it was just such a, a movie. funny movie, too. Like, I loved it. it. Just, I was smiling through it a lot. And so, yeah. I really enjoyed
2: it. Uh, I've slowly gone on the train that I think Saoirse Ronan, like, deserves best actress. Like, I, yeah. I just, I love her already, but I oh, love her in that yeah. movie. And just her delivery of that monologue. And, like, her final line of just being like, I'm just so lonely. It's just haunting of how much of uh, the level she went to in just a paragraph. Yeah. It's so great.
0: Also, I haven't seen Judy, so...
2: Oh, Judy's good. Yeah, I haven't uh, seen it. S- at- Sir Rowan's better than it, though. Really? Yes, yeah. Do Scarlett I, Johansson is? Yes. I, okay. I'm c- kind of surprised that Renelle Zell-Willard's getting all these awards for Judy. But, like, it's it's interesting. She's given a really good performance, but it's nothing where I think causes a um, giant emotional reaction like, like, a crowd of people. Yeah.
0: Well, we'll see. What's next, Ryan? My number four
1: is Booksmart. Hey! Is, again, well, probably the best experience I had in a movie theater this year. It was just so funny, so, so much fun. So uproariously funny. Every, like, character is so absurd and stupid but lovable at the same time. And we were talking with Joe earlier how, like, yes, it follows a coming-of-age structure to the T, but it does it very well. And in a unique way. Um, And so in that sense, I'm not like, yes, you know that the fight is coming where they get mad at each other. But the way it executes it uh, and the build up to it, like the romances that they did are not the typical ones that you see in coming-age stories. So I thought it was a very fun movie. I enjoyed it a lot. So it's my number four. And three? Number three is 1917. Wow, he really liked it. Yeah, I did. Because I, I was considering it, and the more that I, like, learn of the filmmaking process, the more I can respect a film, like, 1917, oh, it's, and it's all amazing. the... amazing. Yeah, all the technicality that goes into it. The cinematography is just, I mean... Oh, come on. Roger Deakins, he's a master. Sam Mendes did a great job. Like, we were... Uh, the There's a insider video on YouTube that explains mm-hmm. how they did that. And so they had to build the sets, the trenches, and they had to... <laughs> like know the exact length so that they could do those tracking shots yeah, and end them at the perfect them time so that they can stitch the film together mm-hmm. with the cuts it's just amazing and then also it has the most beautiful scene in all of 2019 oh my god where he's running through yes, the, with ruins, the, flares with the flares and the ruins that's so beautiful and shot. the score is so amazing it's a beautiful scene and also since we kind of already spoiled it anyway but um the uh the dude that played Tommen in Game of yeah. Thrones, that character, like, I thought when he got stabbed, I thought that was very emotionally moving. Like you said, oh. I didn't – the Richard Matt thing at the end, I didn't feel anything for that. I was like, this is – I was a little sad. I was like, this is the Oscar bait portion, I like, could the see obligatory, yeah, let me get yeah, this ending. I didn't care about that. I thought that scene was amazing. And, again, the one take with it, the fear that he was conveying, I thought that was super awesome. So – Yeah, on further reflection, 1970's definitely one of the top films. Two. And my number two, I won't say anything about this yet, because I'm sure we'll
0: get into it, but it is Parasite. Well, I don't know how that's not number one, but all right. Well, we'll, (laughs) now I want to know what your number one is, if that's (laughs) not your number one. I'm trying to, let me look at my list. I'm going to try and deduce it. Well, I don't think you can. I just can't believe It's not the last. Oh, I know exactly what your number one is. I won't say it yet, though. Yeah. You go ahead, Spencer. Go ahead. What's your five through two?
2: Uh, my number five is Marriage Story. Mm. Uh, I loved Marriage Story. I, I, I it know was you do. Fantastic. Uh, just the beginning of the opening of just them going through the uh, counseling mm-hmm. and really just expressing how they probably feel, but when they're actually around each other, that they can't express how they feel. And, uh, I think the editing is amazing. I think the pacing is incredible. Uh, I feel the performances are great. Uh, I just, I really feel though, like what makes the movie so strong is that it's not truly judging the characters. It's not trying, uh, to really pick a side. I just feel like it's just trying to get behind whatever, cause the top, like the topic of divorce will really make you guarded and make you bring up your walls. I thought the movie just really want to get all behind that and just kind of, like, get close to you. And whatever you get out of that movie is what you get out of it. I could feel that. And that's why I think it's, like, such a beautiful movie. And when he cuts his arm, oh, my God. That was I, so funny. Oh, I freaked out. Um, My number four, surprise, surprise, endgame. <laughs> uh, I, I love the movie. I've been invested in the movies, like, for I don't know how long. Uh,
0: I mean, when you put in 27 hours to watch a movie. It is true.
2: Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, but... uh. I I cried. Uh, I I cried the first time I watched it. A couple times just because there's so much going on. Uh, it really because there's no movie like it. I think is what truly makes it stand out. There's no movie that is a conclusion to uh, like 22 other movies. It just nothing. We will never see anything truly like it ever again. I think that's why it's great. And then my number three is Booksmart. Oh yeah. Booksmart Very is good. such a good movie. It is the biggest white person movie of the year. Oh, I, I could see that. A hundred percent. But it's so good. I think it's hilarious. It's so funny. Um, I think uh, it's so many beautiful moments when uh, she's swimming in the pool. Oh yeah, I think that's
0: so well shot. So great. And then the that reveal at the end of that shot where she's swimming through mm-hmm. the pool. Oh, so and heartbreaking.
2: Then out. And then uh, Billy Lord is hilarious. Uh, the fight is just crazy. But I just. It's Billy one of those Mark movies so that funny. every time I start to watch it, I feel like I'm watching it again for the first time. Yeah. Because I, I slept so much. That. And then my second is also Parasite.
0: Ooh. Oh, no. Well, now, I, I definitely know what your number <laughs> yes. one is. And I can argue with that one. All right. My five through two, I've got The Farewell at number five.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's now
0: I, I like The Farewell. I thought it got snubbed pretty hard for directing, writing, and Best Actress, and I think Best Supporting Actress. Zhu uh, Jin Zhao. I thought her performance as the grandma was really good. It was, night like, night. it was like her first performance, and it was just so good. It made Alexa cry like four times because it reminded her of her own grandparents. But did you cry? I didn't cry.
2: Spencer, did you see it? Yes. But why didn't you cry, Dylan? Because uh, I'm heartless. <laughs> <laughs>
1: me so heartless I think the Did last time cried I cried movie,
3: this? Toy, Story Toy Story
2: 4 I <laughs>
0: cried at Toy Story 4 just at the very end right when the credits rolled
1: By the way, that's an honorable mention Toy Story 4
0: it is um, my number 4 is 1917 I still think it's great and if my number 1 loses at Best Picture I would want it to lose to 1917 of all the movies that are nominated I, this year, I agree I, I'd be okay with that uh, my number 3 is Little Women I thought it was so good I thought it was so great. I thought it was cute. Who's your baby sister? Um, which one are you? Ah, <laughs> oh, jeez. I like to think I'm a Joe. He's but an Amy. I'm probably <laughs> an Amy. A Joe? I like to think that I'm a Joe, but I'm probably an Amy, which is unfortunate.
2: You're an Amy. I'm so sorry.
0: That's not a bad thing. Florence Pugh is great. I would love Florence to be an Amy. Florence Pugh is great. Oh, Amy's great. Hey, she got Timothy, so. Hey. All right, and my number 2 of course is uncut gems which i wow. don't think will be on anyone else's list but well, oh. i didn't see it but it's oh well, you have to then because it, it's so good because adam sandler is brilliant the writing is brilliant it's, the, the safety brothers <laughs> took 10 years to write this wow. and uh, like just they went through like 200 something drafts of the script kevin garnett will blow your mind <laughs> it's ridiculous he plays himself but as like a jerk and i don't know how he does it so well he's so domineering and he's only in four scenes and he's like the focus of all of it and it's brilliant and i love it and that's my number two
2: is he really only in four scenes only
0: in four scenes wow he's in the scene where he first shows up Mm -hmm. the scene where he shows up again to give the stone back the scene in the um where they're doing the auction and then the final scene where he's in where he gets the rock where he buys the rock it's only four which is crazy because he's such a big focus of it and he's like behind adam sandler he's what i think of next when i think of uncut gems mm-hmm. uh-huh. and the ending of course which is shocking i won't say it but jaw dropping three movies made me dro- drop my jaw last year <laughs> us uncut gems and then you'll see what number one is yes, can i course. guess what your number one is ryan no because you know it so you can't say all it, right I, guess, so. I just figured it i deduced it just well, now it's quite clear so go ahead ryan
1: anyway my number one is drum roll, it is the farewell i can't believe it <laughs> You know why I can't I told you again. If we're we're basing it off of our personal connections to the movies, and this is the movie that got me the closest to crying. Is just, I mean, it's such a sweet, tender movie about Millie played by Aquafina, and you see this clash of cultures. So it has that element to it, which I really like. But it's also very personal, character driven, where you see like the scene where they're looking for the earring, I think it is, Mm. and they're on the floor, and then they're. The mom is still just trying to talk to Billy about, like, why this needs to happen. Like, how this isn't about you, this is about nine it's about keeping her there. Um, and, I don't know, just thinking on how Billy needed to go, needed to say goodbye to Nai who is so close to her. But she's not able to do so in a direct way, not able to do it in a straightforward way. And she has to put on a facade of being strong and like everything's normal and oh we're doing this wedding and that's so happy but when she's being torn up inside I don't know it was just so sad to see and so I was thinking in that I was like knowing that at the end that's gonna have to happen where she's gonna have to leave knowing that she's never gonna see her grandma again I was like this sucks that's so upsetting and the way every part of that movie I mean it's funny in different parts uh, I mean, they really play into the the tender moments, the intimate parts Absolutely. as well. So I just thought it was a very well-put-together movie,
2: and I loved it. Spencer? Coming off that beautiful sentiment. Beautiful. I uh, I think what makes the movie just so strong and like uh, so relatable for so many people is just that it's telling that personal story, but it's constructed in such a great way that lets anyone just kind of relate to her and like kind of come in this story and if it wasn't if that path was not built as well as it was I don't think the movie would have been as good of course also I'd like to
0: point out that um in 2018 that's when Crazy Rich Asians came out right Mm -hmm. um I remember there was a lot of talk of like Crazy Rich Asians was like it's the movie for Asian representation right like that was like the big deal I think that about The Farewell I think I really do when it comes to like telling a personal story about um, Asian culture and talking about like it's um, it's just so honest. It's so much more like applicable because <laughs> when I look at Crazy Rich Asians, it's about crazy rich Asians. And mm-hmm. that's not every Asian. Right. And but w- these you've got a story being told about the culture going on with how they, like, deal with personal situations. you got these really good, honest performances. And it's just such a more grounded story. And I think that is good Asian representation for me, is seeing their culture. And also, sort of like... I don't know, I, just, I guess I thought it was just good. Yeah, just I think it's well also done. a
1: very important film. Like, you saw what Lulu Wang had to go through to... Oh, yeah. Because it's, I mean, it's a foreign language film, but it's an American film. And so having to deal with that dichotomy and like yeah. selling it to american audiences like the way she fought to keep her story authentic is also another thing that i respect about that film absolutely because it's her vision through and through mm-hmm.
2: i feel like comparing Crazy to asians i feel uh Crazy Rich Asians is a lot more like asian american representation yeah i could see that yeah like that's why i think it's really it's why people talk about representation is about americans viewing themselves uh farewell is a lot more personal about how it's uh, this clash of cultures and yeah. what this means for everyone involved.
0: I could see that. I could see that. I think, how hard do you think it got snubbed Ryan at the, at the Academy?
2: Works? I think Tell it me. got
0: extremely
1: snubbed again. I feel like it definitely should have got screenwriting because uh, I mean, it was written so well. And again, Lulu Wang to transform her personal experiences, but it's not her in the film. Like it's, the character ability is a vessel for the experiences that she knew. Yeah, but it's not just like a biopic. Like that's not what mm-hmm. it is. And no. So it's, it's, to speak, to what yeah. you were saying, it's applicable to all of us. Oh yeah. Um, and so I feel like I got there. I also think I mean Aquafina won the Golden Globe oh, and she didn't God. even get nominated. That's what absurd. a
0: snub! I was so mad. I was fuming when that came out.
1: And also, it didn't get best picture nomination, which they're allowed ten, and there's, and one there's spot only nine, the,
0: which means that
1: which is insane.
0: The majority of academy voters could only think of these 9 movies and that they couldn't think of another one to nominate, which is a tragedy. It's It truly is upsetting.
1: Sad. Um, and so again it's a great year that foreign films international films especially Asian representation with Parasite, but it's sad that The Farewell is being left off of that. Yeah. When it's it devastating. was absolutely devastating. A remarkable film in my opinion, my favorite of the year.
0: All right, Spencer, what's your
2: what's your favorite? I know I know what it is. I, I'm not going to agree with you here, but my I'm... favorite is The Fantastic, The Beautiful, uh-huh, the well-performed, wow. The intensely sexual, The Lighthouse a little too much. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> Dude, that's so that's shocked. the whole movie is a little too much. Um yeah, I love The Lighthouse. I think it's fantastic. I think it's a uh, a masterpiece. I think Parasite is also a masterpiece, but I just uh prefer the balls off the wall craziness of Lighthouse, mm. and uh, well, I think really one, I think it deserves best cinematography. I think it's I could see that, but I think absolutely 1917. beautiful. I think it's going to win. Nineteen Seventy uh, is definitely going to win,
0: but um, I I think that Lighthouse was beautifully shot.
2: I am going to go underdog story for Lighthouse. Uh, it's just so interesting, <laughs> especially the process of seeing how uh, they made that movie look the way they did. Is that the cinematographer went back to see how the process of how movies were made? in the 1920s and how to replicate that process to get this look Mm -hmm. and uh and it plays so well to the art form of its like aspect ratio uh where other films kind of have the aspect ratio and they don't really mess with it but like the little moments of like bumping your head having the pipe come out someone swings out uh it's just it's so beautiful and there's so much grain like i know people talk about film grain i'm like oh yeah that looks cool but this this has some serious grain and then uh I, I could throw this movie for a while. Well I think what makes the movie truly strong uh, is two things. I feel it's the sense of control Robert Egers has over the film. Mm, that's I feel true. the like the tone, the pacing. I feel like you're being guided along. Like I feel there's shots of like yeah. kinda of sometimes of just a wall or just this crazy imagery. I but it feels that. so uh, intentional and it doesn't feel like you're just doing something to do something. And then the second one, I feel like there's a lot of ambiguity to the film. Oh, so much. Yeah, it's it's insane. And uh, I like to think that
0: it's an experimental film being snuck into theaters as a narrative <laughs> yeah, film. Yeah,
2: it totally is. Uh, and but which reminds
0: me of Mahal and Drive a lot. And I like Mahal and Drive I a lot not more like than the Lighthouse. Drive.
2: I don't like Mahal and Drive at all. I like Mahal. And uh, Drive. But yeah, but the ambiguity uh, is just woven throughout the life, especially at the end. And it's really just your take. To it would, could be entirely different from someone else's, but neither of yours is diminished. And Willem Dafoe so got snubbed. At, he was pretty good. He, got he was very so good. Snubbed. He was amazing. He had a whole page. And he said words I don't even know what they mean. But the he had a very got specific accent was
0: so that was designed for his yeah. character, which is great. Yeah,
2: I watched it last night and I'm like, it still holds up. I, uh,
0: I liked it. I thought it was really good. I liked how well done it was, technically speaking. And I liked the performances and I liked the story. There's just something about watching a movie that makes you feel like you're watching a movie that I don't like. I feel like like sitting there, I can tell how long I've been sitting there, if if longer, and I can I just like I wanted to leave. Oh really? I, didn't I know liked it, all. but I wanted to leave because I just like this is so long and drawn out and experimental, and there are some things that I thought didn't fit, and there were some things that I thought were too loud, like the foghorns. It. too much but there were parts that i really liked like the why'd you spill your beans i loved that <laughs> that was my favorite part in the whole movie is why'd you spill your beans because just it's just hauntingly haunting just, i'm it's
2: so surprised that like you just you realized you were sitting there the whole time oh absolutely because i was just completely drawn into this little world of just them being on this rock and this island and this like ah uh, oral sense that was going around me of the fog horns. Of these fart jokes and people just screaming as loud as they could. It was,
0: it was almost like an out-of-body experience. At one point, I was, like, watching the Agreed. movie. And then the next moment, I was watching me watch the movie. And that's how I became aware <laughs> that I was watching a movie. And I've never mm. been taken out of the seat like that, which is crazy. So, yeah. applause to that. But mm-hmm. I just didn't think it could make my Yeah, time it in. just
2: felt like it was a whole other world. And, like, just for a movie, it just felt two people and like in, uh, like Three or four locations on it, one center location is pretty phenomenal. Yeah,
0: that's that good. Well, that's that's the lighthouse. All right, it's time for me to pop off. Oh boy, my number one, and I think should be everyone's number one of last year. (laughs) I mean, I will, I, I will make that claim is Parasite. By far, it was inevitable. There was there was never anything close for me when it came to Parasite. It is my number one movie of the last two decades. It is in my top ten movies of all time. It is absolutely brilliant. Breathtaking. In terms of the shot for shot flow of the movie, how it's paced, it's beautiful, the production design. Did you guys know that when you, the first shot of you going up to the house, you see the full house, right? And you see how it's got a lot of stories to it? Everything above the first story is CGI. It was built on a soundstage. Everything is CGI. It's incredible. It doesn't feel like it's CGI. You you can feel the sunlight when you're first walking in. Um, Just the symbolism of the characters having to go upwards to get to the rich areas and downstairs to get to the poor areas. Um, The production design with the alleyway where they flood it. That was all a soundstage. It should win production design, if you ask me. It was brilliantly done. Uh, The montage sequence near the first that, like, it's the end of the first act is this big montage sequence that's not like the Russian montage, it's American montage. Where we've got like literal music connecting several different scenes happening all at the same time, kinda like Rocky training. But it's beautiful because it's just it's escalating and escalating and escalating about how this family sort of ingratiates themselves within this rich family to to like leech off of them as parasites. Another symbol. There's just wow. so much happening in this movie. The ending is it's my third movie of the year that what had a jaw dropping <laughs> ending. Did you- Jaw, what was jaw dropping about? Like the ending, ending. I can see why you'd be. Stunned, it was jaw dropping. Um, was there like I don't want to spoil. It. I guess
1: I'll spoil it. I mean, we've been, you know, so spoilers for now, Parasite. Watch when Parasite.
0: the guy runs up the stairs and just drops the rock on his head, that ha- oh. that's impartial to the cinematography, and partial to the story, and mostly to the sound design. The sound design of him thumping up the stairs quickly, 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 and then just drops it on his head before you can even like say no, don't. Like if you're in the room and you're like, wait. You couldn't have time to say it. it happened so fast, and it's just shocking, because he's the main character, and all of a sudden, he's got a rock, like, piled onto his head so violently. It's just so shocking. Go ahead, Spencer.
2: Yeah, I love that scene, and I just love, because I think that scene is, like, the most symbolic that they have throughout the whole movie. Oh, yeah, I could see that. Because um, uh, when that rock is always seen there, it's always described as, like, uh, the wealth. this thing that's bring wealth, mm-hmm. and even when they describe the ghost that's underneath the basement, which is this man, they say like it's supposed to bring wealth, mm-hmm. and it's these two figures that represent wealth t- crushing him.
0: Oh, yeah. It's so symbolic. I think my favorite part, well, I guess my favorite shot of the movie is when they're the underground, the semi-basement's flooded, and they're running through trying to grab the important stuff. The sister's on the toilet smoking a cigarette. Um, he's grabbing all the medals and all the things that are important to him. And the sun is just, he's grabbing the rock, and the rock lifting out of the water... Oh my god, so beautiful. The texture of the water on the rugged rock, where it's just slightly smooth in some places and rugged on the edges. And it's like slowly lifting and the lights are flickering and there's just the music adding on to that. Oh, it's it's so much at once.
2: My uh, favorite shot in that movie is when you first uh, discover the like bunker Ooh, in the house. that's a good choice. it's the mother running through... And the the music The music
0: is so good. That's one of the more... That's like when I was like, okay, well, this movie's picking up and turning into horror. And it's just like drilling you down into this tight, closed space. And you have no idea where she's going because there's so many corners she has to go around. So it could be around any corner. And it, Mm -hmm. it never is. It's just like you get down there and then the music fades out. But just that like picking up is just like... It had me. On, it has me on the edge of my seat every time. I just watched it again last week my, for my third time, and I'm probably gonna go fourth time and then buy it when sure, it comes yeah, out. Club. Let's do it. Um, but it's just oh such a masterful film. When when Bong Joon Ho won the Golden Globe and he got up there and he said, "You know, you know it more to heart than I do. So go ahead and say it, Spencer." The about, subtitles.
2: Oh, it's about uh, if you can look past the one inch subtitles at the bottom of the screen, uh, so many more great movies will open themselves up to you.
0: Thank you. That's how I feel about foreign movies, just all the way. Mm-hmm. There's so many foreign movies that I love, and there's so many that I've recommended to you and, and Ryan, and so many I try to get people to watch. And I know some people I won't say who that we know. Ben.: think, <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> will not get past subtitles because they don't like to read when they're in the movies, but oh, yeah, I see. Uh, there's so many good movies. There's so many. And Parasite is, to me, leading the charge.
2: The worst type of people are people who have subtitles on English movies, but then will not watch subtitles for foreign movies.
0: I've never met a person like that.
2: His name is Ben. Are you serious? <laughs> Stop dragging That's me, terrible. Sorry.
1: But I 100% agree with all the symbolism. It's... Very like The filmmaking
0: aspects themselves, like you said, production time, is incredible. Oh, so the story. Good. The editing, the, the pacing and the editing, especially know, yeah. the montage sequence where they're like making I know, that you go and go and go and if, then they ease it and they just bring you in and out and they're re- reeling you along while you're watching this yeah. movie. They have full control of you, the viewer, which I've never seen in a movie. They know exactly how you're going to feel at this moment and they know exactly how to play that off in the next. They just have complete control of you as the viewer. It's beautiful. Like The beginning of
1: the film is just like a heist film essentially of them weeding their way into this family and it was so fun to watch and it's cool but then better than any
0: oceans 11 i've seen
1: (laughs) but then it continues to reveal these slight layers of like okay now we're getting to the moral questioning of i mean they just force people out of their jobs to get in there so i mean again the social commentary all around it which i think like the parallels with us is kind
0: of oh well not as us is not nearly as good why but they
1: deal with the same subject matter and almost the same way of like these people like the basement the yeah. people that are in the basement and then the people that come from uh, I mean the tethers that come from out but of us is the problem with us is, is that it's not subtle rate. in the slightest <laughs> I mean it, I don't think I this think think it deals is particularly Parasite is much it more with subtle with more nuance but I think it's just a, it deals with it in better ways uh, from a filmmaking standpoint and also I just I don't know I feel, they deal with the same themes but I agree
0: that Parasite does it so much Vastly better, better. So much better. I think it's just a little more subtle.
2: I think Parasite's uh, so much more subtle than us. Yeah, I feel I like it kind of shoots itself off.
0: It says, like, the there's people living underneath us, mm-hmm. and we think we're better than them, and now they're coming up against us? What? Yeah, because you,
2: you have to actively think about what this rock means, what how these characters oh, relate yeah. to one, one, a, the one another. The character,
0: the son, says twice in the movie, wow, that's so metaphorical, oh, yeah. just <laughs> out loud, yeah. and he's so right yeah. every time he says it.
2: Yeah, and, then, like, people could honestly even miss, like, just the smelling and what that means, uh how the rich view the poor. But I think it's interesting to it compare this to a movie that a lot of people talked about this year, was Joker. Oh, yeah. Because Joker is... It, all the Joker says is, we live in a society. <laughs> and Parasite is honestly saying the same exact thing, but it's having a conversation and, like, trying to have some meaning behind that yeah and i just kind of find it so interesting where i feel like joker kind of superficial in that regard i feel like joker's like trying to tell you
0: what society is they're like well this is society why don't you see it this way yeah whereas parasite's like this is society for a lot of people you should understand that
2: yeah and i feel like it's trying to reflect it rather than just just trying to throw its opinions at you
0: also parasite is like the main characters are really bad people, and they do really bad things, and you feel for them because they're poor, and you're always on their side. I was always on their side. They're
1: all parasites.
0: But at the same time, yeah, they're parasites, yeah. but well, I agree, but, time, like, every
1: single character in that are parasites in one way or another. At,
0: at no point do I think that Bong Joon-ho is trying to make you say, like, well, the, these characters, like, they're doing bad things, but they have to because they're poor and they're getting picked on, you know? This is what they have to do. They don't have to do any of this. This is what they choose to do to try and survive because they're parasites and they're leeching off these people. And that's what's so great about it they don't have to do it, but they choose to do it. And that's the character.
2: I, I kind of disagree with that. Really? I feel they're more, it's more uh, discussion on they are like the product of their environment. Mm. So that's why their choice is to go and infiltrate this household. Because it's especially like uh, he wants to go to college, but he doesn't have the money to ever go. Yeah. And uh, she is like this talented artist who could go to art school, but instead she's doing it to document, Uh, she's doing forgery. Because she doesn't have, they don't have any other choice at all. And the way they act is like, like if the two parents, they would still be running like their cake shop or they'd be doing something else mm-hmm. because they failed so many times. And I don't know that much about Korea, but it's the other, uh, the man, the bunker, the ghost. Oh, yeah. Uh, he also has a cake shop that like went bust, is what they say. Yeah. And it just seems like this implication that a lot of people go through this. And they have really no other choice to make this money. And I feel that I guess they're you're, saying yeah, yeah, yeah. that I the that, yeah. only choice these poor people have is to become parasites. And that's why I think the end of the movie is so great. is because uh, the movie uh, explicably implies that the dad will never be rescued. And that he'll stay a parasite his entire life. Ooh, that's a good point. Because he already was. That's a good point right there. I like that.
0: Yeah, I can see that definitely, definitely.
2: But those do you are not
1: little... just to ask a question? Do you guys see that family as the only parasites in the film? Because no. I was reading. Okay, no, there's a lot it's of parasites in that. Because I mean, I was reading. Each of them have their own ways of being parasites in that symbiotic relationship to each other. And I also thought the like, like yes, there's obviously the rich and poor commentary, but also the poor and poor commentary. Like one of the like, when like, she first assist. discovers that the original maid is down there, like, trying to feed the family, and she's, like, begging, pleading, like, I'm needy, we're needy, you know this. And then she says, the Kim matriarch goes, like, I'm not needy. Because she's still, like, playing that part as she's, yeah. she's not. But obviously they both are. And then when the tables turn, when they realize, oh, her whole family's there and she's doing this act, and then she tries to, like, record them, mm. it's the same sort of thing where they're forced to fight each other. And until the very climax, the rich aren't the ones actively, like, being attacked or attacking or doing a thing. It was these downtrodden people that are already put down by the society they're in that are fighting with each other most.
0: Amazing. Just...
1: Uh, which, yeah, it's a very, like, peeling it's away a the a layers. symbolic film. It's so cool. There's
0: always more you can discover about it the more times you watch it. I thought the cinematography was really good in it. I thought, like, the parts where they, like, slow down time to show, like, during the montage where she's, like, throwing the peach in the air and it's, like, slowing <laughs> down. It's sort of like a dance, kind of like you're watching these people do what they do best, which is con people. And so it's like a dance of them with the music in the
2: background. It's just so natural to these people. It's just, I loved it. I absolutely love the shot of uh, when it's they have their hands in the air and like they're recording and she's giving the back rub, and then it flashes back to the old maid and her husband when they were free to go above ground and bathe in the sunlight. And then there's that scene exactly where about. they're sitting down, and then out of nowhere they both just turn and look to the side, still in this flashback, and then it cuts to the family all attacking them. That's, that's a good so transition. It's an amazing transition. It's incredible and it's beautiful, especially because it goes from light to dark.
0: Yeah, that's such an amazing, because it's like they're in their daydream while they're thinking, that's why they Mm -hmm. don't pay attention to them run up, and that's why it's just so beautiful, so amazing. I think a lot of it has to do also with, like, it's an artsy film and all, but it's still, like, the pacing keeps you going, like it's a commercial film, like it's an action movie. It's got that tense sort of pacing to it that really keeps you engaged The entire time, even during the boring parts where they're like setting up to do the con, or where they're just like hanging out in the yard, or like daydreaming about what it'd be like to be rich and all that, it still keeps you going. Because before you know it, you've got these intense moments, and you've got the moments where like um, they're running around trying to clean everything, and then that climax is she just kicks the lady down the stairs, and then smack. That was another jaw drop moment. There's two in that movie, and that was just. that was so rough. It's so shocking. Every time I go into a theater and I watch that movie, every time her head smacks against the bottom of her goes, <gasps> just a huge gasp from everybody. Cause you just, it's so like the sound design of the stairs running up the stairs. You hear the stairs and then just a,
2: like, and that kick is time. so
0: comedic, so like, comedic. And, and, it's uh, and, then, and then it, it just goes to darkness. It's supposed to be comedic because it's supposed to be like, oh, she kicked her down the stairs. Wow. That's funny. And then oh, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> crack and then the dad's there to see the aftermath and he's like oh god and it's just then you're questioning you know is she dead is she alive and the whole time you've got the family upstairs and it's just a normal day for them you know oh, boo-hoo, we got rained out of the birthday party Ooh, there's some food here you know it's their normal everyday life and downstairs right underneath them it's life or death literally and that's just so intense I think what I like my favorite sequence is when the sun is going down with the rock and you're kind of wondering what is he going to do with this rock and I. there's a part of me that's like when I first watched it that's like maybe he's going to go and finish him off with the rock but then like looking at his face you're like he's never going to do that he's going down there to see if they're alright he's going to see if they're okay and he's bringing the rock with him because it just can't leave him and then the second it does leave him everything turns to like crap for the entire family and just like Oh when he's like trying to inspect the woman that you think is dead who I'm pretty sure she is dead at that point is like trying to look at her and like the net is slowly going over his head and then In just shock. smacks into him and he runs with it screaming oh it's so intense and shocking
2: see i feel the i feel the rock like his obsession with it why can't let it go is like his, his own obsession for wealth mm-hmm. cuz it's when he has that rock and it's like right before he takes that rock out and uh, goes downstairs he asks the daughter uh do you think i belong here yeah. do you think i can be a part of this place and uh, almost the daughter's almost, like, ignorant. She can't even, like, see a difference between the two. Yeah. But to him, there's an explicable difference that he's obsessed with and wants to, like, achieve, too.
0: Everyone, he's looking out over the party, and mm. they're all so cool and calm, even yeah. for just a quick gathering. Mm. But to him, it's like a quick gathering for him and his family is, looks nothing like this. Mm. They This would take months of planning to get something like this, months of planning and funding. And they just threw this together at the last second. It can never fit into this. And he's, like, been daydreaming the whole time. He's like, well, what if I date her and I marry her? And this becomes my house. You know, I could live in here. And then he's finally realizing, I could never live here. This isn't something I'm, I'm possible of doing. But uh, there's just... What I love about this movie is there's an interview with Bong Jun ho the director and writer, co-writer. And he's talking about how nothing he does, he just shoots the film. He just shoots the film, and then when it's, like, all shot and all done and all that, he edits it and then starts doing some artsy stuff. And there's a lot of stuff that's intentional, but the more you watch this movie, the more you're peeling away layers, and the more you're analyzing it, and the more deeper it gets, and part of me thinks that Bong Joon-ho is just, like, making this really good story at the core of it, and then the layers are the subtext that gets built off of that story, rather than the other way around. And so you're really, like, instead of peeling away the story to get to the layers, it's like he started with a story, and then somehow was able to build these layers of deeper meaning around that story that you have to peel away to get to the true story because you like you cannot watch that movie without thinking about poor versus rich you cannot watch that movie without thinking about the situation in Korea itself without thinking about why these characters are doing these things I can't watch that movie I can watch Fast and Furious and be like well Dominic Toretto just jumped from one car to another. I wonder why he did that, because he's been Diesel, and he has to. I cannot watch Parasite without thinking, why did that character, why did that specific character do that thing? What, what was his motivation? And there's always an answer. It's never unanswered. I know exactly why every character does everything, because it's laid out in front of me in a perfect mosaic, and that's why it's my favorite movie of the year. Beautiful. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. It's
1: fantastic.
0: And that is our show that is our show thank you so much for listening we're going to be coming back next week we're going to be talking about the box office numbers and we're going to be highlighting the oscar nominations and giving our predictions how does that sound that is right yeah and we can also talk about our top 20
1: or our top most anticipated films of 2020 that are coming up so that should be fun but that is all the time we have. If you'd like to give your thoughts on the show or make a suggestion for the movie of the week, you can email us at theboxofficeshow@gmail.com. At
0: our main title theme is uh, Sundown by Joseph McDade.
1: Our producer is James Poole, our script editor is Lillian Snyder, and our
0: guest today was Mr. Spencer Giles. Woo, thank you Spencer. You so much a, for coming. We'd like to say goodbye. Giles.
2: Goodbye. Thank you. <laughs>
0: can we say giles it, it should giles. be giles you know that. it's no. definitely giles do you say gingerbread i do, do you not say giraffe
2: you say gingerbread you say giraffe you, you say, say giles in giles. the show
0: 100 percent how could you do You say geller J <laughs> <laughs> all right well i can't do both garraf this has been the box office show thank you so much for listening do you say gems? uncut gems.